You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Let There Be More Light. You'd have to be pretty old to remember this, but that's actually the title of the opening track on Pink Floyd's second album, A Saucer Full of Secrets. Does anybody even know who Pink Floyd is or that song or bunch of old people just raise their hands. So let there be more light. A few quotes here. Martin Luther King Jr. said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And then C.S. Lewis said, a man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him than a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. And then Thomas Kincaid said, you have to expect spiritual warfare whenever you stand up for righteousness or call attention to basic values. It's just a matter of light battling the darkness, but the light wins every time. You cannot throw enough darkness on light to put it out. Uh, Turn to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, first few verses say a lot here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, so it says what he did, the heavens, the vast expanse, the earth, you know, that's not the smallest thing in the universe, but when you look at the universe, it looks pretty small. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So darkness, then verse three, then God said, let there be light. Now this is not like light was trapped and trying to get out. It translates probably better something like light exists. It's like God commanding light. So let there be light. And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, I'm not trying to create trouble that we don't need to have, but people will say, but if you go down a few verses, it looks like on the fourth day, God created the sun, all these other planets. What's going on here? And I'll read you verses the farther we get through the scriptures. You cannot have darkness with God around. He is light. And so just the mere presence of God himself, not just creating, but within creation, there is going to be light. Miraculously, then you have that light. Then he actually puts for seasons, times of year, you keep reading and you see that the actual sun was put in place. And we think, wow, but that's, that's this bright light. There are places in the universe you can no more see the sun. You don't have to go far not to see the light of the sun. Go to Psalm 119, verse 105. A lot of people memorize this early in their Christian walk. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So even in the Old Testament, the descriptive here of a lamp of light, and it's his word, and this is true in the New Testament or the Old Testament, and just let me insert it here again. You are going to walk a dark life apart from the scriptures. Your word is a lamp to my feet. So you say, well, Lord, I don't know where to go. Your feet are immediately before you. Your path is ahead of you. But without 
that lamp to your feet and a light to your path, you're not going to be able to see where to go. Go to Isaiah chapter 9. There's some prophecy in this chapter, usually down in verse 6 or so get read, and we're going to get to those, but let's start in verse 1. Isaiah 9 verse 1, nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. By the way, if you want to know who the Gentiles are, it's everyone who is not a Jew. That means if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. The people who walked in darkness, and look at what he's talking about that's coming. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So if you're in a dark place and somebody turns the lights on, you know the lights are on. And as the scripture talks about, we'll get to this in the New Testament, when light shows up, darkness can't stop it. You can try to get away from someone, and I try to explain this to believers who are walking in the light. Wherever you go, because you have light, and as the scripture describes this, that we are the light of the world, people don't want you around. You cannot take it personally. If you're mean, you're rude, that's the reason that's something different. But if you just walk into their lives and into these situations at work or wherever it is, there are certain people who don't want you around them and they do not want to be around you because you expose them. They feel like their darkness is exposed and they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to think about it. Keep reading here in Isaiah 9 and then this is what we hear. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice from this time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So tied in with this talking about this child that would come is talking about the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. I lead people to Christ who are older, some young, some are older. And there is something about sitting with someone who has lived prolonged periods of their life in darkness, pursuing darkness, the things of darkness, maybe even in witchcraft or demonic things. And that's where they've spent their time. That's all they knew. And they are told about Jesus and they understand about Jesus. As the scripture describes it, they go from darkness to light. Those are extreme changes. And if you have lived in darkness, and all of a sudden the light of his glorious gospel shines on you, there is nothing like going from darkness to light. And Jesus came and made that possible. It is kind of a strange thing to figure out why God would pick a certain people. He'd pick Abraham, then he'd make the Jews his people. And it's like, well, why did he pick them? He picked them. But then you find out in the New Testament, he picks us. Why would he pick me? And why did he reveal himself to me? Is he revealing himself to other people, to everybody? Romans 1, as it turns out, says they're without excuse. There's no one in the world that's ever lived that can say, well, I didn't know. He has revealed himself to everyone. But if you're a Gentile around the Jews and you see God do things for these people, deliver them from Egypt, all these miraculous things happen, you start to thinking, well, they got something I'll never have. And then someone comes along and says, guess what? We can be family. Jews and Gentiles, the same father, the same family, and what they have access to, we have access to, to the father. 
this is a big deal. And when it expanded in the New Testament, it jumped from Jesus came primarily to the Jew, but then it jumped to the Gentile, to the Greek as well. And that was like unheard of, like, well, here we go. It really is true what the scriptures have said. Even as a baby, you've got wise men showing up. You've got kings disturbed by this annunciation, this announcement of this baby king being born, trying to figure out if it's the Messiah. This is trouble. So darkness still trying to squelch the light, but unable to. And all of a sudden, this hope starts to stir because something has changed on the planet. You cannot have Jesus on the planet and in your life and something not change. It is not possible. Then go to Matthew chapter 5. This is an extraordinary verse here. Matthew 5, 14, he tells them, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, if that is true, and since that is true, that we are the light of the world, then what are the ramifications of that? If you hide your light, as it's described here, under a bushel, you say, well, I'm going to go dark. I'm going to go silent. You are still light. You have just covered your light. Then what does that do to you? You're isolated, but you have eliminated your purpose. Your purpose is to be light in the world, to go wherever you go and let your light so shine, it says there, before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So yes, you are the light of the world. Yes, it's about your good works. Those do make a difference, but they're supposed to point them to him and they glorify him as a result of your life. And when you meet these people, you know you've met these people. Their light's on, they're serving, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and you have this, the only explanation is, it has to be God. This is not just another nice person I've met. This has to be him. Matthew chapter 8 is a little bit of a warning. Matthew 8, 12, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth as though the world wasn't dark enough then what can happen to you? You can be born into a dark world. You can live in a dark world. You can reject Jesus. You can reject the whole thing. And then what happens to you after death? You are cast into outer darkness, no light, cut off from God. And I occasionally have people say, well, I don't care about that. You know, I'd rather be with my friends in hell than in heaven, you know, with a bunch of you people. Like, well, that can be arranged. It already has been arranged unless you change your mind. That's what's coming. Then go to John chapter one. John chapter one, and let's start here in verse one. This is kind of the Genesis one of the New Testament a little bit. It has its own in the beginning. And John one one says, in the beginning was the word or the logos. It's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. So nothing that you have ever seen or will see was made except by the word or the work of Jesus himself. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Okay, so when you have his life in your life, you not only have life, you have light. And that's why you are called the light of the world. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, can't overwhelm it, can't overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, talking about John the Baptist, but was sent to bear witness of that light 
That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Now, here it is again, the Romans 1, without excuse. Everybody who comes into the world, everyone who's ever lived, has been exposed to who? This true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. If you are looking for Jesus, he is looking for you. He's looking for you before you were ever born, before the foundation of the world. And so when that light shines, you have to respond to that and go, what was that? What is that? What is God trying to tell me? And do something with it. Don't jump back into the darkness and go, well, I don't want to think about that. I want to do what I want to do. Because once you make that turn, you say, well, but he'll give me another chance. You don't know that. Anyhow, people practicing evil, they hate the light. So you start talking about Jesus. And I guess we've all had this experience. I don't know certain people, who they are, what they're into. My experience with this was playing basketball. It used to be, you get out there and it's Jesus Christ. And it's God, you know, God's damning all these things. And it's just like, what in the world? Game's over, everybody sits down drinking water and you bring Jesus up. Dude, we don't talk about that. You've been talking about him for 45 minutes. Now you don't want to talk about him. We want to use his name, but we want to hear about him, Right? Wow, he's a friend of mine. Do you know him? What are you, crazy? Why are you saying his name? Well, it's just something I do. Like, well, do you love him? Do you like him? Are you proud of him? You know, there's all kinds of ways. And I'm telling you, they're gone. Now, you say, well, then how does anybody get to the light? I don't know about you, but for me, sooner or later, I get sick of the darkness. I get sick of me. Because if you run from him, you always end up in a worse place. I have never met anyone who ran from Jesus to a better place or a better person. It doesn't exist. So the second you turn and bolt and say, I still got my ticket to heaven, but I'm going to live like hell, it's going to turn into hell. And it's not going to be pleasant. And God will allow that. And what does it cause? Pretty soon it gets so dark, it can get scary and then you find yourself making a beeline for the light. And you say, well, I don't want to live in the dark. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of making this up as I go and chasing money and women or men or a career or whatever it is. You're just randomly shooting in the dark, hoping you hit something. And then you find Jesus and he says, I'm the light of the world. Do you follow me? You'll not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You can see what's up. You can see where you're going, what's going on. Some people just... Things happen to him, they have no reason why. I know when the enemy's coming for me. I can see what he's doing. And then I have a choice to respond, either biblically or non-biblically, and walk in the spirit or not, but at least I can see what's going on. I don't say this in a mean way, but if you catch me in a bad spot, no one would want to be a Christian because of me. Now think about this. You say, but you seem like whatever. You don't know me all the time, and I don't see you all the time. But sometimes Christians are the greatest hindrance to somebody coming to Jesus because there is no light. We go dark. We are not light-hearted. We are dark-hearted. And when I'm angry or unforgiving or whatever's going on, caught up with me, and then I interact with people, would they want to be the kind of Christian they see me to be? You say, well, I can't maintain this thing all the time. Yeah, but I can do better. And the way to do better is to walk in the light as he is in the light, which is consistently and that's a choice. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and this explains what happens to somebody. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. So the same God who said, let there be light, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
So in the same way, you've got darkness and he said, let there be light and boom, there's light. That same God has shown in our hearts. So that's how you become a Christian. That same God shines that light in your heart and gives the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And when he shines that light on Jesus, you understand what Jesus did and who he is. You go, I want that. Don't complicate it. When my wife and I got engaged, we were not dating. I know this sounds weird. I'd broken up with her and told her a bunch of crazy stuff that she was not in God's will for my life, which turned out I was not in God's will for my life. And so I asked her out on a date and she didn't know she was going to get proposed to that night because obviously we weren't dating. I got down on one knee and I was down there for about 30 minutes. <laughs> so this whole take a knee, will you marry me? Bada bing, bada boom, it's up. That was not my experience. There was lots of talking. Now you say, well, why did she complicate it? Because she needed some answers to some questions. If Jesus himself approached you with unsearchable light and knelt before you and said, will you marry me? What would your answer be? Will you be my child? Would you like to be in my family? He humbles himself to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And then he approaches us and you say, well, I don't know what I'd say. Man, there's nothing to say but yes. Wow. Who are you going to say yes to if not him? Who's offering you something better? Well, I'm something better. Oh, okay, I see. You got big plans for your eternity, I'm sure. The promise of hell, separation from this God who loves you. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart because there's not a better groom going to come along. There's no better relationship. There's nobody's going to love you more, forgive you more, take you in again more. Nobody's going to treat you like Jesus. Say yes. Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness. Now look at this. Look at how Paul writes to Ephesus and what he tells them. You were once, you were darkness. Not just in the dark. You were once darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord walk as children of the light. So we have been described in scripture as the light of the world. And here he's describing us as you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. And if you're still saying, well, what does that mean to walk in the light? Don't go back to dark things. What did you come out of that you left for Jesus? That you said, I want to go from darkness to light. Well, you know what light looks like then. So the enemy says, over here, over here, you know, you need a break. Let's smoke some weed. Let's do some lines. Let's look at some porn. Let's go pick up some chicks. Let's go get a fifth. You need a break, dude. God understands you need a break. And he disguises himself as an angel of light, oddly, to try to pull you back to the darkness. And there is nothing there but darkness and sin and consequence. And then I just got to read you this one. I put it in my notes because it's just <laughs> unbelievable. First Timothy chapter six, verse 13. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which he will manifest in his own time he who is the, now look how he is described. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings, 
the Lord of Lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in inapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Who is this God who dwells in unapproachable light? I don't recommend doing this, but every once in a while you'll catch yourself. The sun comes out behind a cloud and you're looking into the sun. If you look into the sun, it is so bright, it will blind you. He is brighter than the sun. He dwells in, in unapproachable light. But when you see him with a new body and a new heaven and a new earth, you'll be able to see him. And what a day that'll be. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. Then 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own, his works, according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. So what has happened, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, and what has he accomplished? Who has abolished death, and what does that mean? It doesn't mean that people don't die physically anymore, but I can assure you, if this body I am in drops today, this person that I am will not die with it. The me that is me will not die. It will simply transfer to a new body, new heaven, new earth, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So it is all through the gospel. What is the gospel? That Jesus died, was buried, and raised from the dead. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Tell people about what Jesus did. You say, well, what is that going to do? Just do it. And this same thing can happen to them. And then 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, so you say I'm a Christian and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So here's two characteristics of a Christian that are walking in the light. If I'm walking in the light as he is in the light, then I have fellowship with other believers. Don't just listen to how people talk about their relationship with Jesus. Watch the relationship with other believers because that is one of the indicators and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Your sins are forgiven. That will change the way you live. And if you're walking in the light, you're gonna have fellowship. So sometimes you have people who show up at a church and they look around and go, you know, the scripture also says, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. And they realize that and they go, I'm not going to get away with just raising my hands or singing the songs and saying, I love Jesus. They're going to expect me to love them. And I am not going to do that. 
They already know that. They don't want fellowship with us because they really don't have fellowship with him. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, you will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, will cleanse you from all sin. That's a different person. That's a different way to live. And then Revelation 22. See, there's hope. There's not many verses after that. <laughs> Unless I read the whole chapter. Revelation 22, 5. And this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter one. There it said, let there be light. Talking about heaven, Revelation 22, five, there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun. Won't even need a sun there. For the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. And why will he give them light? Because he is light. He is the light of the world. And one day, sooner than you think, we'll all be there. And I pray that you're ready for that. So Jesus said, Genesis, God says, let there be light. And then Jesus comes along and says, let there be more light. And he himself provides that light. And when you are sons of the light, then you become that light. And we are the light of the world. And you can be a part of that if you accept his proposal and say yes. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.